What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. On today's show, I'm joined by Kendall Card from Crispy Boots. Boots are a trending topic right now on social media. And what is the best pair of boots for deer hunters? What boots are you guys running? It's a trending topic. It's a question that I see and get often. So I thought it would be great to have Kendall from Crispy hop on the podcast and talk us through it. So we cover what makes a good hunting boot, what you should be looking for out of a hunting boot, what questions you should be asking yourself before making a purchase, proper boot maintenance, and so much more. It's a really good conversation. I learned a ton and it helped me pick out my next pair of crispy boots. Before we dive into this conversation, I have one quick announcement. If you are an existing Exodus customer, there's a really great opportunity for you. We have introduced a trade-up program for the month of March. And how it works is if you are an existing Exodus customer and you have an Exodus Trek, Exodus Lift 2, or Exodus Original Lift, whether that camera is in warranty or not, you can trade up and get into an Exodus render for $100 off. You go to the website, check out with an Exodus render or Exodus render bundle, Use the code TRADEUP, one word, all caps, TRADEUP. That's good for $100 off. When we get that order, we will email you a return label, return your old camera to us, and we will then ship out your Exodus render. It's a really great opportunity for someone that has been dying to get into the cellular game. Well, now you can get an Exodus render for the cost of uh, Exodus Lift 2. So really great opportunity. Don't miss out. Don't sleep on this. It's only good for the month of March. And with all that being said, let's hop into this podcast. All right, everyone, here we go. Welcome back to another episode of the Deer Gear Podcast. Today, I am joined by Kendall Card from Crispy. Kendall, thanks for hopping on with me today. Super stoked to, uh, to participate and, and uh, share some, some knowledge, drop some treats about boots. Yeah, boots are such a hot topic right now. Uh, it's the, the postseason for us whitetail hunters, and this is the time, if you're pretty serious about whitetail hunting, that you're putting on the most miles. A lot of guys, when it comes to season, they have it already figured out where they're going to go. And right now is when you're when you're figuring everything out postseason scouting. So boots are super trending topic in the whitetail space. And I know we talked a little bit off air that you guys are kind of seeing the same thing. Yeah, it, it's been surprising. And I don't know. It shouldn't be surprising, but it's surprising to us how many guys in the Midwest, South and East are are interested in a in a mountain hunting boot or a boot, you know, like ours uh, that we make. You know, Crispy has a lot of different boots, but it just, it shouldn't come as a surprise because a lot of guys want to come West and hunt, but by the same token, we've got a ton of guys like the tethered guys. They're wearing all, all those guys are wearing crispies um, because they want something where they can be mobile and then, you know, running up and down, uh, you know, into this, getting into the saddle and stuff. I mean, if you have flop, I mean, imagine climbing a tree stand with flip-flops or something real soft. It's just like, no thanks. Or hanging out on a saddle platform for hours with nothing, something that isn't comfortable and doesn't have good kind of under the foot support. So it's, it's been really fascinating to, uh, to, to watch it. And then you've got, 
with that surgeons and guys that are kind of the, I'm not just going to hunt in my, on my farm. I'm also going to find some little tract of public that's two and a half, three miles in. Um, I mean, I talked to a guy from, from North Carolina and he said, I only hunt public land and I go in deep. And I'll bet you that guy's getting more miles than a lot of people I know here in the West. Yeah, it's very possible. So pretty interesting. It's cool to see this trend happening. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be on, on the show and talk, uh, talk hunting and, and uh, hopefully share some perspective with you, with your audience that are avid whitetail deer hunters. So. Yeah, th- definitely, uh, definitely look forward to this conversation. Before we get too far into it, though, give us a little background about yourself, where you're from, what kind of hunting you do, and how you, what your position is with Crispy. Yeah, absolutely. I um, so I I grew up hunting here in Utah. I was born here, um, and then when I was 13, my, my 14, my folks moved. We moved to Oregon, and a uh, completely different type of hunting uh, in Western Oregon. Basically, went from hunting like desert country and mountain country to rainforest. And my dad got kind of wrapped up in work more than anything, and and he was away from his brother. So hunting was always a family thing. I mean, it was like the gathering of all the cousins and deer camp was a huge deal for us. Um, and then it became kind of like dad didn't have time. I went with a few friends and, uh, and honestly, I fell out of, uh, fell out of interest of hunting, um, mostly cause I didn't have anyone to go with, didn't really understand what I was doing. I was 17, 18. Um, so I got into more like rock climbing and mountaineering and and backcountry skiing. And I was a ski instructor through college and did a ton of different things in the outdoors, but hunting was that first introduction to outdoors for me. So uh, long story short, I ended up back in Utah for, uh, for school and for skiing and um, moved to a small town and all my neighbors hunted. And I, and I kind of started thinking about, man, I, I loved hunting then as a youth. And so it, uh, I got back into it, got my kids into it. My wife was like, who are you? <laughs> She's like, what has gotten into you? But she knows that I, when I get into something, I'm just all in, but I love big game hunting. I'm, I'm, I'm way in arch. I mean, archery is my, my go-to. I picked up a rifle, uh, one day last year for a cow. Actually it was this year, January 31st, shot a cow elk here in Utah. But, uh, Big game's my jam. I used to be all in on just elk hunting, um, but uh, I've turned into uh, like an addicted uh, mountain mule deer hunter. Uh, I every it's the hunt. If I could reduce my hunts, and I I go to Kentucky every year. I've I've got some friends from Tennessee that were on a lease, um, and I really love whitetail hunting. I mean that that to me is such a fascinating chess match. Um, you know, trying to pull that off. And, and so, uh, but even with all the different hunts I've done, uh, I would, I would say if I could only do one, it would be that, that archery, uh, mule deer hunt I do every year in Colorado. So yeah, I got, uh, but I'm a family guy, got uh, five kids. Uh, my, uh, my business partner, Mark and I became the distributors for, uh, North America for crispy, um, about six, a little over six years ago. Um, and it's been, it's been absolutely awesome from, from a standpoint of building this business, as well as getting to know the family behind crispy and then, um, really being able to talk like a high quality piece of gear with, you know, thousands and thousands of hunters across, across North America. So it's, it's, uh, so I'm, I am one of the, the partners for the distributorship. 
and uh, I kind of oversee marketing and, and industry relationships and, uh, and that sort of thing. My partner focuses more on kind of the logistics and the, and the, the business, um, the kind of the hardcore business side of it. He's really good at that. Um, so I get, I get more of the play and he gets, he gets a lot of work, but yeah. now we, we work well together in that, in that aspect. That's great. Yeah. That's, that, uh, gives everyone a little bit of insight on who you are. And I think a good segue is to kind of talk more about who crispy is as a company and how that was started. I think a, a lot of, uh, whitetail hunters are kind of becoming more familiar with high-end boots, but it, it, it does seem like it's fairly newer so maybe someone hasn't heard of crispy before so fill us in there yeah so crispy is um um it's an italian boot maker we're we're based just north of if you're looking on the map and you find venice which is in the northern part of italy uh go about an hour north of there and there's a zone um just at the base of the dolomites um and and the little town is called Maser, or they call it Maser. Um, and there's a town right next to it called uh, Osolo, which which we pronounce as a solo here. And there's a shoe brand named Asolo. You, some people may have heard of. Um, but what's interesting is that zone of Italy is is very well known for leather pr- producing leather goods and footwear, and those go hand in hand. And so crispy, you know, you've got Dalbello, which is a ski boot company. You've got Scarpa. Uh, you've got Zamberlin. You used to have a solo, and they're now they don't don't operate out of Italy. You've got Crispy. Um, I know that Kenetrek boots are made in that that area by a, a factory that they rent. Um, so there are a lot. It's it's a boot mecca, if you will. And uh, so Crispy was started uh, close get closing in on fifty years, about forty five years ago, by a gentleman named Alessandro Marcolin. And and Alessandro had been a boot maker for about fifteen years. And what's interesting and unique about, I think, Crispy is that we started in the hunting boot space. Um, Alessandro saw, and he wasn't, he's not a big hunter by any means. He's not a, but he also, he saw a need for hunters to have footwear that was different than what the mountain climbers and the, and the trekkers were using. So it doesn't sound so revolutionary to you and I, but he he decided to build a boot for hunting that had a, a bigger toe box. And the, the, the reasoning was, is he felt like hunters were out all day long in a variety of terrain. And so that the typical European narrow footwear, which a lot of guys, I know if you try on a lot of different brands coming out of Europe, uh, you're going to find that most of them, a lot of them are narrow uh, by, you know, by comparison to what we were used to like a Nike or a Reebok or a Brooks or whatever. So he, uh, he kind of did something revolutionary at the time. And, and a lot of people just kind of laughed like that. That's crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's not performance footwear. Performance footwear is always kind of tight. So um, fast forward, you know, our, our, our bread and butter is, is hunt our hunting boots. Um, and then the other kind of unique thing without getting too, too lengthy is that we work with Italy as a distributor for it, for crispy here in the North, in North America, we work with them very, very differently than any other European brand. So we participate uh, in product development. And also we, we have unique models that we have either designed with Italy or Italy is designed. And then we've given input. And so there are some models that, that only that we only sell here in North America. And a lot of those really have come from, 
not just ideas that we had or that, that Ferry, um, Federico is the son of Alessandro and he's taken over uh, running the company uh, just in the last few years. And so it, it's a family owned business and, and his two sisters are also participating in the company, in the, in the business. But we, we work with Fetty and also take feedback from hunters, you know, like us that are looking for specific models that do specific things. And so sometimes guys look at our, our line and say like, golly, the crispy line is so big. But a lot of that is because we're developing boots to hit certain niches based on the feedback we're hearing. So a lot of, a lot of other footwear brands coming out of Europe, unlike crispy, will simply have like a, essentially like a menu to choose from or the home office will say, Hey, these are the boots we're offering for this year. And, and so you guys are going to sell these boots. And we, we have a really unique and it's a fantastic relationship with crispy and to be able to do that. So yeah, crispy is a, you know, crispy also makes military and police boots, uh, outdoor, uh, lifestyle, um, some mountaineering boots that guys take to like Everest and stuff like that. Um, but here in North America, we focus primarily on just the hunting boots that, that they create as well as the ones that we, we build with them or that we did help design and influence. And correct me if I'm wrong, but they, um, the initial thought was to be tailored towards mountain hunting. Correct. That's correct. So that's, um, the term mountain might be, uh, subjective. So there's guys, there's guys in Pennsylvania that my dad would always grow up and say, we're going to go to the mountains. We're going to go hunt in the mountains in Pennsylvania, which in Western Pennsylvania, they're hills. They're, it's not, it's not mountains. It's not Colorado, Utah, New Mexico, Idaho. It's not that kind of terrain. So I think, um, maybe there's some people that are intimidated by the word mountain, or there's some people that are like, well, I can't wear Krispies cause they're not, I don't hunt in the mountains. What would be your rebuttal to that? Dude, that's a really good point. And one that I hadn't considered uh, as a, I guess, a discouraging um, aspect to that, that terminology. And, and you're absolutely correct. There's our boots or, you know, a lot of Western hunting boots are built. Like if you're not going up some steep, real rugged terrain, you're really, over, you know, in too much boot, but they're, there are a lot of boots that we've particularly, there's one, for example, that's coming out this year that we might talk about called the altitude. And that boot was specifically made to hit kind of a lighter duty, but still durable kind of use. And so I think, I think guys are getting enough, um, you know, guys from all over the country, especially in hill, in what I call hill country, um, like where I go in, ten, in, in Kentucky, it's just, I mean, they say the word Ridge and I, the, I remember the first time I went out there, those guys were like, I, I was texting uh, my buddy, uh, Van, like Van, in my first time to the farm, no one was going to be there. So he's like, go down that little road. And there's on the third ridge, he goes, you go down a kind of a deep, deep, you know, little valley and up this other ridge. And in my mind, I'm thinking like 800, 700 feet high, like big precipice type ridge. Yep. And I literally, I drove past it in the mall. <laughs> I, I'm calling him. I go, dude, where, where is it? And it is morning. So I'm like, where, where am I supposed to be? He goes, see that second ridge right next to that, that cedar thicket. And I'm like, what's a thicket? And I don't <laughs> see any ridges around here. So, so I'm like, dude, you mean that little thing that's like 40 feet high? I'm like, that's not a ridge. He's like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, all right, perfect. I think I'll find the stand. So 
so when I, but so, you know, these terms like ridge or mountain, um, it, it, it's, it shouldn't be uh, exclusive to just places like where I live here in Utah. Um, and I think that our, a lot of our footwear serves guys extraordinarily well in, you know, throughout the Midwest I, uh, for whether you're kicking up pheasants or, you know, going turkey hunting in hill country, or you're doing some public land uh, whitetail, or if you're just, man, I'm going to, I'm going to run throughout my, you know, 800 acre track setting up trail cameras and I don't want to wear a rubber boot and it's going to be a little wet or it's kind of like up and down and jumping over logs and stuff. It's like, we got plenty of boots that, that a guy can be comfortable in, can rely upon and it's going to stay dry in that, that I could also use if I'm out in Wyoming or Montana doing an antelope or a mule deer hunt. Yeah. I think, so. uh, yeah, I think the marketing for the marketing term might, uh, discourage guys um where where it probably shouldn't yeah i think i fell into that a couple years ago um full transparency bought a pair of zamberlins uh three years ago for a elk hunt and first time going to colorado first time elk hunting and i was like okay now i need a pair of mountain boots whereas before i was like okay i need whitetail boots and i would just buy rubber boots like i had my my rubber boots for whitetails and then if i ever go back out west i was always like man i don't want to spend all that money for one hunt and then once i wore them i was like i could wear these for other applications as well and now i don't wear rubber boots at all and i strictly wear quote unquote western mountain boots here in northeast ohio that's as flat as can be and my feet are way happier about it. Why? Yeah. Why do you, why do you wear them like on the regular there in Ohio, even though they're quote unquote mountain boots? It's a, it's a comfort thing for me. It's my, I can walk further. I can stay in the woods longer. My feet aren't screaming. They're not sweating like profusely. My feet don't overheat. It's just a, it's a sheer comfort thing that allows me to push myself further than I was able to previously because walking 10 miles in a pair of rubber boots, I just, I don't want to do it. I won't do it. And, um, even the way I hunt, I hunt a little bit differently and a, a lot of guys are adapting. Like I'm a saddle hunter as well. So standing on my saddle platform, I need something a little bit more rigid, something not soft that my feet are, can be more comfortable in. And I do a lot of spot and stock whitetail hunting where I'm hunting on the ground and I'm moving a lot and I can't have a big clunky pair of rubber boots. So that was where the crossover, um, application was for me with taking those Western mountain boots and using them as my whitetail boots. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I think you nailed it. The, the versatility, the comfort, um, and the ability to move, uh, without being encumbered. You, there's a lot of that, that I, you know, I talking with, we've talked to plenty, I mean, thousands of guys about this sort of scenario and there's been boots in our lineup. Like a guy was, a guy was, I was talking to yesterday, was a big Turkey hunter. And, and he was like, I was looking at the Nevada. And I, I, cause I, he said, what boots would you recommend? And I said, I got three in our line that I think would fit you based on what he was telling me he likes to do. And he said, what about the Nevada? I said, no, man, you're going to find more reasons not to put it on than to put it on for 80% of your uses, even though the Nevada's our best-selling boot, it's the one, it's my go-to boot when I hit about October. Um, I, it's, it's as comfortable as any boot I've ever personally worn, but, but, but I was, I was like, 
you have to have something that suits your area. So I, I recommended Valdres, Laponia, and Summit. And those were three that he kind of, he was like, man, I was looking at that summit. And it's like, yeah, you're on the right line because you will put that boot on more often than you think. And then that's what, what you experienced. Sounds like you put your boot on that Zamberlin. You thought, oh, I'm, I'm buying a boot and I'm only going to use it for Western. The reality is, is, is most guys that are buying a, a boot from us or a boot from another uh, Western, you know, oriented uh, uh, boot, you know, footwear company, I think they end up using them more so than they ever would have imagined. And all of a sudden there's a paradigm shift of golly, these boots perform for all the stuff I'm doing around wherever it is I'm living, whether it's setting trail cameras or actually saddle hunting or tree stand hunting like early season before it gets real cold, all that sort of stuff makes the experience all the more worth it. And it makes buying a rather expensive mountain boot or worth like it. a crispy worth it. You know, it's like, Dude, don't don't wait for eight years to get your two weeks per year use out of that boot. Like use that boot day in day out if you need to. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, so I switched. So th- yeah, three years ago I bought the pair of Zamberlins. Two years ago I bought uh, the Crispy Guides. So that's what I that's what I wear now. Um, and I have since sold three pairs of those since I bought them. And they're to people that like they they now use them for their work boot because they're just so much more comfortable than anything they've ever worn before because we're buying the cheaper lacrosse or uh, Danners or like you could go down to Walmart and people are buying their work boots there. They don't think of how important comfort, your feet being happy and comfortable is. Maybe if people aren't on their feet all day long, then it doesn't really matter as much. But for a guy that's on their feet a lot or a guy that needs to walk a bunch comfort is number one yeah and let, and i mean don't get me wrong man dollars dollars are not easy to come by so i recognize when someone is is like hey i don't i don't want to spend the money on a on a crispy for example or a zamblin and any other the high quality boots that come out of europe um man i totally get that and 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 it's like hey it's okay like that's and and those other boot companies, they make they make good boots. There's no doubt about it. Um, they have boots for certain purposes and certain you know uses. And a lot of guys get by just fine with some of those boots. Uh, you know, I think our you know our boots are a little more spendy. But a guy that wants to to invest in that, I think the trade off ultimately it's hard to envision the trade off before. But once you do, um, you know, ninety eight guys out of a hundred are gonna are gonna say, oh, man. I have been missing out. It's, it's worth it. And in that old adage of you get what you pay for, you know, rings true. And it's, it's a tough pill to swallow initially. Um, But for, you know, for guys like yourself that, you know, a hardcore hunter and and you dedicate, you know, hunting is your lifestyle. I mean, the job is what keeps you to be able to do things you will love to do, which is hunting. Yep. Um, It's, it's not that much of an investment when you think of it from that standpoint. And on a, on a longevity standpoint too, you're not replacing those boots every year with proper maintenance, which is something. Uh, as we get through this a little bit, I want to I want to get your uh, expert opinion on the proper maintenance for boots. But they're they're that's not an investment you're making every single year. No, you shouldn't, um, unless you're a super user. Man, I've got. I'll tell you, I I was in Portland, Oregon for the uh, for the uh, the fishing and hunting show up there. 
And I had, I had a couple of cats roll through there that had absolutely demolished our boots in, you know, like a seven, eight month period. And the guy was like, man, how come this doesn't last longer? And you know, I said, well, tell me about, you know, what you're doing. And he's, well, man, I hunt, I literally hunt like 40, 45 days straight. And then these are just sort of uncomfortable. I just wear them every day for work. And I work on, you know, I'm a, I'm an electrician. So I'm on concrete, you know, this and that I'm all bro. Like, like those boots look torched. Like I'm, I'm about ready to give you a medal. Like those things are <laughs> legit. I said, but you, you got, you, you know, the life of the boot is certainly relative to the, to the use and the environment. Sure. Um, and, and, and now he's honestly on an extreme end. Like I have a pair of Nevada's now, fortunately I work, you know, for a boot company. So I have a handful that I choose from, but I have a pair of Nevada's that are eight years old. I got them resold about two years ago. Um, and they're as comfortable as, as ever. And, and now you, I, you know, I probably only use those Nevada's good two and a half, three weeks, probably 20, 20, 20, 25 days a year. Um, I don't use them a lot for scouting. I'll use them in the spring for some shed hunting type stuff. I don't do a ton of that, but, um, uh, so yeah, you think about how much use I'm getting versus some other guys and, and that just, you know, the life of the boot can typically mean like, yeah, you're going to get a couple of three years out of a good boot if you're using it pretty extensive. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've found that to be true. I'm on my second year with the guides and I was just in Iowa shed hunting and put on 36 miles in two days. And it, yeah, it was, I mean, fantastic without that, without a good boot, I wouldn't have been able to do that. That many miles you would, you, you don't feel like you could have, could have. No, no way there. I've done it before. And my feet, like I was limping the next day because I couldn't put any weight on my feet. It it's just it's like the equivalent of going to the gym and you haven't lifted in like three years and you start bench pressing like 150, you know, 175. Yeah. It's like, man, check me out. And then three days later, your arm, you can't even lift your arms to the dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does you no good. And I wanna... feet are the same way, right? Like you, you guys will experience that. They go, go get after it in kind of subpar footwear for whatever the activity is. And, and all of a sudden it's like those feet are, you know, they take a week to heal. Yep. Yep. I want to circle back to the conversation you had with the hardcore Turkey hunter and you talked him out of the Nevadas. Now, um, we just had a co-owner of Exodus, Jake, just purchased a pair of Nevadas. And I want to, I want to hear uh, your opinion on why you think he would have chosen uh, to not wear that boot more than to wear it for his scenario. So great, great, great point. So he, this, this particular guy um, called me up or called us up. I, I just took the call and, and we were chatting. I, you know, a lot of the times I'm asking a ton of questions and I, I, I don't, I think guys appreciate it. And I hope they don't get annoyed, but I I'll ask them seven, eight, you know, five, six, seven questions before we really dive into um, answering their first question, which is what boot should I buy? Yeah. And he told me, he said, I'm, I'm in Iowa. Uh, I'm a big time Turkey hunter. He goes, man, Turkey is my jam. And I said, well, do you, do you white to hunt? He's like, oh, absolutely. Of course I do. He goes, I usually don't white to hunt till like November when it's rifle season. I said, okay, perfect. And at the, he told me at that point, he's putting on his alpha burly, like 1200 or 1600. And I said, gotcha. Okay, perfect. So, he started talking about turkey hunting starts right now. He's been, he actually said he was down in, I don't know, Alabama, maybe a turkey hunting last week or Florida. And he told, yeah, he told me he hunts in about seven, eight different States. 
Um, the hunt he was looking forward to was a, was a South Dakota turkey hunt, public land. And he was going to be out in kind of the hill country and Black Hills. And then, he and then he mentioned, I'm going to be going to Wyoming in 2023 for an antelope hunt, uh, which I do every single year, uh, either with my kids or, or if I am fortunate enough to get a tag. Uh, so I kind of, I know exactly what he's going to be doing and when. Um, he told me he's looking at maybe an elk hunt uh, in, in, in Wyoming or Montana in 2024, 2025. <clears throat> so I, excuse me. So I said, I basically said, if you're going to use these boots a lot, by the time you get to Montana, going on that hunt in Montana, you're probably due for a new pair of boots. Um, so I start backing up to time of year. He's, he's hunting in warmer months and he's going to use these boots in a, in more warmer climate than cooler climate. Number two, he wants something that's, that's, he can be super mobile. He told me I'm a run and gun kind of guy. And, and number three, he was worried about his feet overheating, which came back to seasonality. So I, he's, and then when he said, man, the Nevada looks good. And I said, that is an incredible boot, but here's the deal. When you're going to be using this boot primarily, I'm talking all of his turkey hunting, setting trail cameras, that early white tail, if he happens to pick up a bow and go, uh, you know, go, go in like first two weeks of October and maybe there's a warm spell. I started saying, you're going to, you're, you're going to probably use those Nevadas a handful of times and love them. But when it comes to about, let's say end of May and you're, you're on that last Turkey tag before all the seasons shut down, you're going to be thinking, golly, these boots, A, are hot, B, they're a little heavier than what I wanted. And and so I said, I said, I think you're going to be more interested in the Valdres, which is a lighter weight version of the Nevada. The leather is thinner. It's a two millimeter thick versus 2.4. Same sole midsole as Nevada. So you're getting that good support underneath, but it's got stretched nylon through the tongue versus a full leather tongue. So you're going to get an incredible amount of breathability through the tongue, a lighter weight package, and you still have a good protection uh, of leather if that's what you want. Now he uh, he started looking at the summit, and I, I introduced the summit. And said, "This is going to be a boot. You're probably going to find more reason to put that thing on a daily basis than you would the Nevada, especially as it starts to heat up in the summer. It's muggy there in in, in Iowa where he's from." I said, "I'll bet you money you're going to you're going to if if you had those two boots sitting there next to each other, come you know July 24th, and you were going to go set trail cameras one morning." I'll bet you, I'll bet you my paycheck, you're going to put those summits on over the Nevada. So it really came down to his particular use time of year. I knew that he wasn't going to be using these in like late season. Um, he wasn't saddle hunting, which he told me, he goes, I just, he goes, I'm either running gun or I'm ground blind for Turkey. And I, in the fall, I'm just a tree stand guy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not out ground hunting. And then I started thinking about his, his antelope hunt and said, well, those Valdres or the summit are going to be just as well, because you're going to be moving a lot. So even if it is a little bit inclement weather, if he happens to hit an antelope hunt in, let's say, second or third week of October, when, uh, when you know, good chance you're going to see some snow in, uh, in Wyoming. But most likely he's going to be in September, which is when most of the antelope hunts happen. So putting that all together, I said, man, I, as much as I want to sell you in Nevada, I think, I think that Valdrezer Summit are really going to be your jam for everything you're going to be doing. And, uh, and he's like, perfect. 
And so that that's kind of the reasoning that I, I used in that particular instance. And I think it's a good measurement for guys to start thinking, what is my, you know, you might have a dream aspirational, like this boot is kind of the one I envision because who knows, like, you know, uh, Tim, cool. <laughs> Tim Burnett uses this boot and I like Tim and he goes to Oklahoma to, to whitetail hunt. And, you know, Tim's one of them, one of my good friends and an ambassador for us. And, you know, but it's like, well, just cause Tim's using Nevada and Oklahoma for his whitetail hunt. Uh, and he uses those over boots actually when he goes, um, doesn't mean that that's going to be that that's not going to be that may not be particularly to your exact use even though you might cross over to some of the activities so i think asking asking good questions about your exact use time of use and then really thinking about when it comes to this particular day and this particular use am i going to want to put this boot on mm-hmm. or am i going to be like well it's my only boot so i'm going to i guess i'll do it even though it's going to be sweltering hot in this particular guy's instance, um, led me to, to steer him away from the Nevada and into something like the Valley Ridge of the Summit. So there's a couple other things that I want to cover here, but I want to play that game with you, with myself. So I want you to, so I have the guides and I'm actually in my head, I'm between two pairs for a new the hunt that I'm gonna go on, and I want just another option. So I want don't to tell me it. don't tell me those no. pairs. Okay, no, perfect. I'm, I want to play that game with you. So you ask the questions that you would normally ask a guy, and then as people are listening, they can think of their answers, what they would be, and maybe they can, if they're aligned the same way I'm going to, they'll they'll know which which pair of crispy boots to buy. Dude, this is sweet. I actually like this game. So let's uh, let the games begin. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you own the guide. You've owned it for how many Two years? years? Two, Two years. years. Perfect. You love it. Sounds like you're you're like all in on the guide. Um, what time of year are you going to be hunting and, and where? So coming up this year, I have a whitetail hunt in North Dakota, early season, September. And I'm planning on drawing Iowa in November. And I'm also, um, I align with that guy as well, where I'm a big time turkey hunter. I'm going to go to South Carolina and turkey hunt this year. I'll be in New York to turkey hunt this year, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. So those are all going to be springtime hunts. So I'm going to be all over the place. So there there might not even be a, a one-size-fits-all for this, but I will say that the whitetail hunting that I'm doing in Iowa and in North Dakota is on the ground and I'm moving a lot. So I don't necessarily need something super heavily insulated because I'm going to be on my feet moving. I'm not going to be stationary for a very long time. And then um, I'm going to hunt next year in Kansas for whitetails in November, and it's going to be the same way that I'm either going to be driving my vehicle a lot and spotting, or I'm going to be moving on a deer. Uh, and are your are your guides non insulated or insulated? They are non insulated. Non insulated. No, no, okay. no, they're the 200 gram, right? Okay. Two- yep. So the standard, which is lightly insulated. Yep. And in, in our the Nevada has the same way, where it's it's non insulated and then lightly insulated. Uh, which is interesting because uh, a side, quick side note is Italy had never made a non-insulated version of Guide or Nevada uh, hmm. before we, and then we, Guide is only sold in the U.S. and in Canada, um, but they had never even considered a non-insulated version until we we get, we're getting feedback from hunters. So, um, so you're the recipient of that. But the, yeah. so the other thing, here's, here's another question. Are you going to be using, 
it doesn't sound like you're going west. Um, we're talking like true mountain, you know, chasing elk kind of situation. Not in the um, like the very near future. I do have I'm accumulating points in Wyoming and um, Montana for both deer and elk. Wyoming may be within three years. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm going to whitetail hunt Wyoming as well. Um, that's probably also going to be an early season uh, September hunt. Cool. The other thing I was going to ask is how much how much weight are you carrying? I mean, when you're turkey hunting and, or ground hunting, are you going pretty far from where you're at? Or you, but you're not you're not carrying that much weight on your back, correct? No, I'm super minimalist. So if I'm if I'm carrying anything in in the whitetail woods, I have my saddle on and a set of sticks and my bow in my hand. And I have enough water to get me through. I, I'm very minimalist. I don't. I don't take much, and I like try to be as light as possible. And your feet? Uh, do they run hot? Run standard? Do you feel like you're getting cold all the time? No, I run hot. Okay. And are you? Since you own the guide, are you more inclined for like a leather boot, or are you open to having kind of a combination of synthetic and leather? Definitely open. Okay. So two, two, two boots, here's the, here's the thing on those November, those November hunts, the guide is, is right. I mean, that's going to be the money. You're not going to want to go. If you were going to sit, then you would obviously jump into either like a, like the alpha burly, like this guy was using what I use sure. um, for those late hunts or like what Tim Burnett does, which is he uses those, those cheap over, I think it's Arctic shield makes those things. Yeah. Yep. Those over boots. Um, but since you're going to be mobile, I mean, I, I hunted, I had January here in Utah for that elk in the Nevadas, which were 200 gram insulated and I ran gators and it was, I think when we started the day, it was like in the mid twenties, low twenties. I think the high of that day was like 32, man, I didn't even think about my feet. So the fact that you're going to be moving in those guides, those no, that November Kansas hunt and that November uh, hunt that you might do there in, uh, in Ohio, I don't think you, I don't think you budge from the footwear you're using. Okay. <clears throat> two other, two boots that I would steer your way. Um, well, three. I, I mentioned earlier, we've got a new one coming out this year called the Altitude. Um, and it might be, <laughs> it's, the Altitude is this, it's a, it's a really cool boot. It's this combination of, we took the Ativa Mid, which the, the Ativa is, is the Ativa Low is that lifestyle kind of wear every day like quote unquote, you could run in it if you wanted to, you could just wear it around. The Ativa mid is just a little bit beefier, but it's that super light and fast hunting, you know, hunting slash hiking boot. We took that upper platform and beefed it up more hardware, took it from a mid height to just a, just a little bit higher to probably a seven, eight, between a seven and eight inch, um, highly breathable and upper, a little bit stronger leather than the Ativa mid. But then we added the sole and midsole from the Wyoming and the Idaho, which is uh, it's called our EFX dual density polyurethane midsole. It's even, I think it's an even better midsole than what you have on the guide because it's got a little bit more cushion in the midsole itself. That boot for what you're doing might be right up, right up your alley because it's, it's very mobile. Um, it's lighter weight than, than like a, a Valdrez or a Nevada um and it breathes exceptionally well so but when it comes time to for putting in some long miles you've got that boot lug and that boot midsole that is going to give you comfort you know through through your ankles knees and hips 
when it gets to you know mile 16 on that you know you're shed hunting slash maybe you're turkey hunting and you're just chasing toms like all day long or something yeah so ativa mid would i mean excuse me altitude would be one the the summit is is definitely worth your consideration because on those days even in, even there in northeast ohio when when it's it's like hey i'm gonna be saddle hunting early season archery in uh in september late september i think that guide is going to be a little much uh depending on the weather and you might be like well i'll just get through it they're comfortable i love them um the summit in those instances on top of what you're doing with turkey hunting because it's highly breathable it usual utilizes uh a cordura we actually are upgrading it for 2022 uh, the cordura on the side panels we're using uh, a fabric called pu tech which is a cordura bait a nylon based woven with polyurethane so it's going to hold the structure a little bit better it's still going to breathe really well um and it's impermeable you know it's less less apt to having like a thorn or something get through it um going to keep you dry but with the eva midsole it's lighter weight than like a nevada valdrez um you're going to feel super mobile and it's one of all the boots that we sell, it's the one boot that I see more guys wearing day to day, day in, day out. If you're just a guy that loves to wear a boot, you get out of bed and you can't wait to put on boots and go do your thing. Um, the summit's the one. And so I would, I would steer you towards those two. And if you were, if you were the third one would be the Valdres. If you're like, man, I love leather. I like how easy it is to take care of. I just like dependability the leather provides. Then I'd push you a little bit towards Valdres, but those other two, I think, create a span that's so much different than your guide. And now you end up with two boots that basically can get you through the entire year or nine to 10 months of that of the year, no questions asked. Sure. Yeah. The, the only reason why, before I tell you what my two were, the, the only reason why I didn't, I wanted to make a switch for the Kansas and Iowa hunts in November from the guides, because I already have those. Um, was mobility because they're the 10 inch high, they're a little bit bulkier. And if I'm going to be crawling in a, on a bedded whitetail at 20 yards, I wanted to be sleeker, lighter, slimmer. I wanted my footprint to be smaller. So what, uh, what, what do you got your eye on? So I was between, I'm between two, the Ativa mid and the Laponia. Oh man. So Laponia, that's, uh, that's got a soft place in my, that's got a little corner of my heart. I love that boot. And it's, it's dude, you should really look at the altitude because the altitude in my opinion is right in between it's it, it, right in between basically Laponia and Valdres. <clears throat> but the cool thing about both Ativa mid and about, uh, um, the Laponia is that the tread depth is not as deep as like uh as Valdrez summit and uh altitude and so mm -hmm. you're going to be able to it's going to feel like less less underfoot yeah and it's going to be more you could i mean you could run a 5k in either of those things and get away with it versus like if you're running a 5k in a in the summit it's going to be you're going to you're going to know you're in clumps like running down the street kind of situation yeah, yeah. so Man, I think I think if you wanted to get extra stealthy, I think the Laponia is the one I would choose because a it's a little bit taller. It's with all that leather, it's it's got a little bit more um, like protection for that later. You know, if you're going to really push it into the later in season, mm -hmm. um, 
like if any of your any of your listeners have seen or if you i don't know if you know who ryan lampers is yeah um but ryan uses that laponia in some of the nastiest kind of country and times of year and and uh and brian call who who hangs out with him he used the laponia on his flipping grizzly bear hunt in alaska i'm <laughs> like dude what are you doing but he lot you know it's kind of like what you're talking super mobile lighter weight um you can be a little more stealthy in that thing than you could in in one of the boots that have a deeper lug so no i of those two i would steer you away from a tiva mid because i think it's going to be not enough when 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 you get in those situations later season okay. that it's that it's like golly i might my foot might freeze today or sure. it's just a little too much just just uh you know maybe the country's a little bit a little bit much um okay you know, I, I had a mountain goat hunt two years ago here in Utah, uh, archery mountain goat hunt. I thought for sure I was going to use the Colorado, which is just kind of a beefier version of the summit. Um, but I scouted in the Ativa mid and loved it. And I hunted in the Laponia and mm. loved it. Okay. So versatility uh, and for what sounds like what you want, I think you're on the right path with Laponia. I would choose that one over Ativa mid. But what between Laponia and altitude? I don't think you could go wrong, but with the later season use, my, my gut still tells me move towards the uh, Laponia because okay. that leather is going to keep you just a smidge warmer than like altitude. That altitude is going to breathe exceptionally well. Okay. Yeah. That I'm, I might, uh, I'm gonna have to look into that. One of the altitudes is going to be available. We've got them. Actually, we're trying to get, uh, Christy's going to air freight them um to us so that we have them by by about the 15th of uh of april oh great so just in a month maybe i'll wait and check those out before before i make my purchase just to just to dive into them a little bit now one thing i want to cover um is the flex rating what is what does the flex rating mean for someone purchasing a boot so we we created the flex rating after it was about a year into uh working with crispy and the question we always had was guys would say, well, how stiff is it? So what we tried to do is create a system that, that you could universally say uh, a one is the lowest flex and a five is the stiffest flex. Just for, for context, a five does not mean it's a two by four and a one does not mean it's a flip-flop. Um, it, it, those are the extremes, right? A sure. five in our, in our estimation and in the way we, we build boots still has to have some sort of flex or comfort. Um, so like the, the Brickstall SF, which is a five, the toe on it, you'll still get a little bit of flex in the toe versus some of our competitors that, that are, excuse me, that are using mountaineering boots. Some of those, they just don't flex, period. Um, and we don't feel like that's, that's appropriate for most hunting, most mountain hunting experiences, unless you're I mean, my, my, I did a mountain goat hunt with Tim Burnett in, in Alaska and our guide was wearing straight up mountaineering boots. They do not, they do not flex. They do not move. So he's actually changing the step, the way he steps up mountains to be accommodated, to accommodating to the boots he's wearing. Yeah. So five flex, four flex, three flex, two flex, one flex. We, we have, we use different um, board last and a board last is not a shank, but it's a, it's a, it's a material that goes from, from tip to tail of the boot and it varies in thickness, it varies in shape, 
it varies in uh, the type of material that we're using. So, for example, a two flex, which is Laponia is, would be thinner in the in the in the front of the front of the boot where you'd flex, maybe just a little bit thicker underneath the foot and towards the heel to still provide torsional stability. Whereas uh, a four flex, the Colorado, in the forefront of the foot, it's going to be a little thicker. That material, that board last is going to be thicker there. Still going to have a bit of a curve to it because you're still going to have to have some flex. Um, so as you look at the flex rating, you think about, A, do I want the boot to do more work for me? Meaning, as I'm coming up a hillside, you know, I'm side hilling or going up a little bit of steep incline. Do I want the boot to do more work? Or do I, am I okay with my foot doing plenty of the work. And that's going to determine whether you're in a, like a four or five, where you want the boot to do more work and be more supportive under the foot. Or like your instance, if you're, if you're on the, on the go and you're, you're trying to be stealthy and move, you're probably going to want a three flex or a two flex or a two and a half, like the, uh, the altitude is a two and a half. Um, that is going to be more forgiving underfoot. It's going to allow for your foot to kind of move a little bit easier but it's still gonna give you some torsional stability if you're side hilling or carrying out an animal. Um, so, so the flex rating is really based upon what, what kind of use you want, how much you want your foot to be uh, engaging with the mountainside or how much you want the boot to engage and do some of that work for you. And really like all day comfort of what you're accustomed to. Great, yeah, that, that definitely sums it up. And I took it in that way but coming from a, a flatlander perspective not like super familiar with western mountain boots i was like what what does this flex rating mean when would i want a stiffer boot when would i want a more forgiving boot answered it perfectly so um i last thing here i want to talk to you about proper boot maintenance now this is something that's kind of new to me i would previously i would just buy a pair of boots wear them they went to crap and buy a new pair. Now, spending a little bit more money on your boots, that investment's greater, you want to take care of them a little more. What is the crispy way of proper boot, boot maintenance with products to use and application? Perfect. So the, well, the way that uh, the way that I do it is probably not the crispy way. <laughs> Let's face it, most of us are pretty lazy when it comes to taking care of our boots. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll shine our guns until they're just like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can see your reflection in the barrel, but, uh, or the action is so clean that, you know, it, 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 anyone would be envious of it. That's, uh, that, that's uh, meticulous, but we, with boots, <clears throat> I mean, guilty as charged, my, I was actually looking at my Nevadas from my, that elk hunt and it's, there's, I still got mud on those boots and they're sitting in my shop and I'm like, golly, but couple different things with leather um all leather is not created equal same way that all cows don't aren't raised in the same pasture um and they all don't have the same genetic code so leather is of different thicknesses and such since it is the leather that we source we've sourced from the same tannery for the last 40 plus years um their recommendation is the care of the leather that, that we use in, the, in in most all of our boots should be done with either a water-based um, cream or a, a synthetic base cream. Now we make a synthetic base cream in Italy uh, in conjunction with our um, with our our tannery. Uh, but the other other brands like I think Zamblin and Loa both have a synthetic cream. They're both really good. I've used actually the Loa uh, cream. Um, 
I've used a Nick Wax, which is a water-based cream. Uh, and that one actually is quite nice because if you're, if you're washing your boots, so that one of the techniques is when you're getting ready to care for a leather boot, you want to brush it off, take a damp cloth, and, uh, and I brush it off with a, a good stout brush that just takes all that dirt. And then if I'm not going to wash the boot, I'll take at least a damp cloth and wipe off as much dirt as I can. Um, because if you're just rubbing in that cream, the purpose of the cream is not just to waterproof the leather. Everyone thinks, oh, it's, it's so I can make the boots waterproof. Yes and no. The Gore-Tex is what makes the boot waterproof. The cream, a byproduct of the cream is to, is will make that leather waterproof so it doesn't soak up water and create more weight. Um, but more importantly, the, the cream is to, uh, to moisturize the leather and keep it soft and supple and really get down to the pores of leather, much like you would if you had dry hands. I mean, you put leather, you put, you know, lotion on that so it just stays, so it doesn't split or crack like in the winter. Well, if you're using an animal-based or a, or a wax-based product on our, our leather, is it going to, is it going to hurt the leather? No, like ultimately, yes, we believe, but I have plenty of guys that are like, dude, I've always used XYZ product and that's all I'm going to use till the day I die. My grandfather used it. It's like, who am I to tell you to do something else? But our tannery is, is said, Hey, the best products are, are those two water-based or synthetic-based. But then, you know, you want to, you want to put that, that moisture, that cream on the, on the boot. I'll take the laces out probably once a year and do it without the laces. The other time of the year, I'm just lazy and I want to get it done quick. And I just slather some on the laces or in between the eyelets um, and I'm trying to get it as best I can. One of the things that you should do at least once a year or two is, is whether you have a synthetic boot or a leather boot is wash them really well. Um, Nick Wax makes a great um, boot, a boot uh, foaming wash. I've even had guys use Dawn dish soap because it's, I mean, if it's good enough for taking oil off of geese and ducks, it's probably, you know, probably soft enough or good enough for, for washing boots or whatever else you have. Um, but use a good soap, you know, get those boots wet. You're trying to draw out all the dirt out of the pores, out of the material. And then on the leather boot, you know, put that cream on, on the synthetic boots, you can apply a spray and there's a lot of good products out there. We make one, a lot of good waterproofing sprays. They don't really work as robust as like a cream. You're going to put that spray on three, four, five days of good hard use. Man, the effects of that spray are pretty much gone at that point. Um, and so if you have a synthetic boot like the Summit, like the Colorado, you're going to be applying that more often or quite frankly, you're just not going to apply anything. Most guys don't do that. Uh, but if you want to take good care of your boots, um, you know, those are the two methods based on a synthetic or a, or a leather boot. And I, I would tell as far as frequency, uh, I try and do a good cleaning and waterproofing of my leather boots at least once a year. And if I'm using them a lot, um, you know, if I'm using them a lot, I'll, I'll kind of watch for the leather to turn kind of a tanner or a lighter colored leather and then also watch for them when the, how fast the water just absorbs into it. And that, those are two indicators that the color of the leather and how fast water absorbs into it are indicators of that leather's getting dry. It's, it's crying out for some love. Basically. Sure. So I don't have you, I don't know have you done either of those things for your boots. I have not cleaned them. I have uh, conditioned them and I used mink oil 
and uh, it seemed to work pretty well. But I wanted to, that's why I wanted to ask you um, if Crispy recommended using mink oil or not. Crispy does not recommend using mink oil, but like you've experienced, it seems like it's worked just fine. And a lot of guys will do that. We have had a few experiences where long-term, and more so with like a wax-based product, because when you use a wax-based product, it'll, it'll waterproof the leather, but it also creates kind of a shell, if you will, that's impermeable to, you don't really getting that moisturizing down into leather itself. And when I've seen, whenever I've seen a boot come back and a guy's like, hey, the leather's cracking, something's wrong with it. And I ask them, what are you using? More times than not, they'll say, I'm using either a mink oil or a wax based, like a beeswax product. Um, and and they'll they'll tell me, dude, I use this stuff all the time. I'm I'm oiling my boots left and right. And I'm like, that that's probably what What's led happening? to the cracking. Yeah. Sure. Um, if you're and I do, there's some guys that are just meticulous about it. Uh, same way I was talking to the fellas at, at Vortex and, and one guy was telling me in the, in the, in the, the repair area, it's like some guys get so adamant about cleaning off the lenses that they end up wiping the kind of the coatings off the lenses. Yep. It's like, you don't need to do that every single day, you know, for the life of the, the binoculars, same way about boots. You don't need to oil those boots every dang week, you know, because you're wearing them you know, more often than maybe the next guy, but sure. you, you want to just, you know, uh, if you are doing it that often, we'd recommend using, you know, using a water-based or a synthetic based cream. All right. Well, I'm going to have to make a switch. <laughs> I, cause I, I um, one th- I did a little bit of research on mink oil when I bought it. It was one of those things where I made the purchase and then I researched how to use it. Uh, it was like a suggested thing. People are like, oh, you should condition your leather with mink oil. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go buy mink oil and then I'm going to research how it works and what it is. And I found that the one that I actually purchased was 95% beef tallow. So it's actually just beef fat and which can go rancid. And you put that on your boots, rub it in and it can deteriorate your threads. It can deteriorate the leather itself because it's going rancid. The, The oil itself is going rancid. And I was like, well, man, I need to buy a better mink oil. <laughs> so I went out and um, I actually bought, yeah, so I actually bought another mink oil that was, uh, it was very little percent mink oil and mostly beeswax. So I need to just buy a, synth- I just need to buy the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I think that was another one of those uh, misconceptions with, what I thought conditioning cream did. The crispy cream on the website, I, I believe is called a waterproofing cream, correct? Yeah, so I'm like, well, they're waterproof. Gore- I know that Gore-Tex does the waterproofing. I don't need to waterproof them. I want to condition them. So that's why I didn't buy that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It's funny because because uh, the Italians, um, they're always telling us, hey, this this cream's not for waterproofing you know, it's a byproduct and it's, it's more for conditioning. And I'm like, why do you guys put waterproofing on is the first word on the, on the first word on this, this cream that, that we buy from you and, and then resell here. And they're, 
I, I don't know if it's a lost in translation thing or or if they're just like, hey, this is what it is. Because um, at the factory, all the leather boots actually get a spray applied to them. Uh, the leather comes from the from the from the tannery um, already, you know, super just just dialed. Yeah. Um, and we keep we we house it in a room that maintains the same temperature. So when any of the leathers that stored, they're not going hot, cold, hot, cold. Um, so they don't dry out, but then we apply a, a spray to the leather before it leaves the factory. So the first time it, it receives any sort of cream is is when when the the recipient of the boots finally decides to put something on that. Hmm. That's that's good to know. Yeah, um, I will say that that did deter me from the purchase. Was super that, interesting. That's yeah. good feedback. Yeah. I'm going to tell Italy, like, you guys got to knock that off with that waterproofing as a first word. Because we we refer to it more as a conditioning and waterproofing cream. Yeah. Um, but you're Switch right. Those. Yeah. You're right. I'm, I probably would have bought it if it said conditioning first. Anyways, I won't take up any more of your time. Uh, for those that have listened to this and want to learn more about Crispy or make, maybe want to make a purchase or maybe want to ask you some more questions, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, we... Uh, we love getting calls. We've got uh, we've got. There's about five of us that take calls on a, on a daily basis. So if anyone has any question about boots, give us a shout. Our our phone number is on the website, which is crispyus.com, um, and you know, or send us an email if you're if you just don't have time to chat. We same thing. We'll reply to emails on the regular. We're also on Instagram under crispy crispy hunting, and you'll see the icon. There's a crispy since 1975, which is Italy. And then crispy hunting, which is us, and on the on the icon, it has the U.S. flag versus the Italian flag. Um, and you can also find us on Facebook if you want to DM us on Instagram. That's that's just fine too. So any of those methods, um, you know, we want to give guys good info and get them get them in the right boot out of the gate as best we can. Versus um, and some guys call and they're like, oh, I got some stupid questions. It's like, no man. There are no stupid questions when you're talking footwear because it's it's super important and you don't want to don't want to mess it up. Um, so anyway, those are some ways that guys can get a hold of us. Great. Well, thank you, Kendall. I greatly appreciate your time and willingness to hop on with me here. I learned a lot, and I hope everyone else did. So until next time, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Heck yeah! Thanks so much, James. <laughs>